This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. going on guys welcome back to another episode of talking halos i am your host today jared timms and i am joined alongside nate green nate how you doing today good up with you jared i'm not doing too bad we have a lot of fun and interesting baseball news nothing really angels related i guess some of this stuff has to i guess do with the angels but the angels really haven't made any moves we haven't really seen them in the news all that much and again staying kind of under the radar and you know, it makes it a little bit fun. At the same time, it is a little bit frustrating that we don't hear too much about them, but said it, it makes the offseason a little bit more fun and interesting per se. But guys, before we get going any further, I would just like to say thank you so much for all the support you have given us on all social medias and listening to this podcast in particular. It means the world to us. Keep this going, and it has been fantastic. If you like what we have going on, please, 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 Share the show with a friend. We really appreciate it. And also subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast and give us a review. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or just want to join us for a talking fan segment, you can message myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims or Brock Davis at BDROX. Of course, Brock won't be here today. Obviously, we have Nate, but hopefully Brock will be back on the next podcast. He's been Working a lot, and you know we haven't really had a whole lot of time to get together. Also, you can email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and just send us a message at any social media platform that you see us on. And like I said, of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go give us a follow on any of those. But first, before we completely get going, give us one minute to pay the bills. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of this program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course Full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, 
Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And now, back to Talking Halos. All right, guys, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk some baseball. We had a couple of interesting trades happen over the weekend, I guess. I mean, the Musgroves trade happened, what, Friday, I think, or Thursday? And, of course, now the Jameson tie-on trade goes through. The Pirates look like they are cleaning some house. Nate, what do we say about these trades? Because they do affect the Angels in particular. But first, how do we, how do we like these trades? Yeah, for the tie-on trade, I think the Pirates did a really good job. They got four guys that are very young. Might, might turn into some quality big leaguers there, but I think with Tyon's injury history and everything, they did a very good job in that trade. Yeah, you know, it's super interesting that, you know, these kind of trades happen. We kind of figured that the Pirates were going to be making some moves in general, and the fact that, you know, Joe Musgrove and Jameson Tyon were on that list of guys that they moved was, you know, really, really interesting. And, of course, with the addition to Tyon and the Yankees, it makes the AL East that much better. It's, I mean, the AL East is already good enough, minus the Baltimore Orioles, who may only win like 40 games this year. I don't know, depending on how many games are played and all that stuff. But I mean, the the AL East is absolutely stacked, and it's it's going to be really fun to see that. And of course, Musgrove going to the uh, the Padres again, another move that you know makes the Padres that much more of a favorite in the World Series talk. So. You know, and to bring this, you know, full circle and to bring it on to the Angels, I would assume that the Angels have had had to have had talks to about both these guys before. And, you know, it's going to bring us on to our next subject. But, I mean, of course, before we get to that subject, you know, I kind of want to talk about these trades and how it affects the Angels. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that they didn't get tie-on because I think that the trade was an overpay and... You know, that's not what the Angels need to do. But the fact that the Padres got Musgrove for that little, and of course both these guys only have two years left on their contracts. Tyon is owed, I think, $2.25 million in arbitration this year. Depending on how he does, it'll probably go up next year to the 3 to $4 million range. And Musgrove, I believe, was making $4.5 million in ARB this year. Of course, being on a better team, he'll probably get paid a little bit more next arbitration, up to probably like 6 to $8 million before he becomes a free agent, and, you know, two guys that, you know, you would think the Angels would have probably been in on, and I would assume have been in on, but, again, it's going like to, I just, I just have to say, you know, be patient with these trades, you need to, the right trade to come along, you don't want to overpay or anything along the lines of that, and I think this actually now is a good time to segment into that next kind of subject that I want to talk about, and I, I brought it up on Twitter, and, it is, do we worry about teams coming to the Angels and asking an absurd amount of trade pieces for starting pitching because they know the Angels are in a dire need for starting pitching? Like, you look back at the Kluber trade last year, and there were some reports that the Indians asked for Brandon Marsh from the Angels, and the Angels were like, just laughed and, you know, <laughs> went away from it, didn't even want to talk about it anymore. And then they went and they got Emmanuel Kloss, I believe is how you say his name. And they got who's the other guy they got? I'm trying blanking on his name. Delino DeShields Jr. Delino DeShields Jr. And it seemed like it was like 
why would you even come to the angels trying to get that? Almost like trying to rip off the angels in a sense, you know? And, of course, I don't think the, the teams are intentionally coming to the angels and trying to rip them off, but it does worry me. Does that, does that type of thing worry you at all, Nate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it happen with the Yankees a lot, too. You didn't see it. You kind of saw it in this trade a little bit, but, I mean, you hear reports anytime the Yankees are interested in someone, it's, okay, Glaber Torres and, and the Yankees just laugh and hang up the phone. So I'm sure that happens with the Angels. They kind of look and they go, well, if they really want this guy, they're going to have to pay up, and we'll probably try and take advantage and try and get Marsh and someone or Adele and someone. And so, yeah, that that is a little bit of a worry. That's why the uh, free agent market is so huge. But, yeah, I, I don't know what the trade would have looked like for Musgrove. I would have been willing to give up Marsh because you look at Musgrove, really cheap contract. He's been really good. The only reason his contract is so cheap is because arbitration looks at the traditional win-loss ERA stats, and he doesn't really win too many games being in Pittsburgh. So, I would have been willing to give up a little bit more for Musgrove than I would tie on, but I don't know. That's just me. Well, looking looking at what the Pirates got back for Musgrove, would you still given up Marsh? Um, if I, that's what it would have taken, I probably would have, just because you got to know there's other teams interested, and if you're not willing to pull the trigger on something like that, then you're not going to get him. Um and the Padres are just in a really good position where it's like they don't need these guys. They're just like, that's your offer? Like, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the two big pieces in the Musgrove deal was Hudson Head and Joey LaCasey, which is in comparison to, I mean, I would say that Brand, or not Brandon Marsh, Patrick Sandoval is a more hot commodity than Joey LaCasey is. And then Hudson Head, you know, he could be, you know, he is what he is. He's kind of becomes expandable on the Padres, and so does LaCasey as well. He becomes a little bit expandable because of what they have to work with there. But at the same time, those were the two big pieces, and it was like, it was basically nothing. You know, it would have been Sandoval or, heck, even Jose Suarez type of guy. And, I don't know, an out, a young outfielder prospect, Deshaun Knowles maybe, something along the lines of that. Not to speculate or anything at all, but, you know, those two pieces are not necessarily a Brandon Marsh. And, again, that, that goes back to if this is what Musgrove's getting, you can, you know, really center an ace conversation, almost, around Brandon Marsh. Not saying that you're going to go get Luis Castillo or Herman Marquez for Brandon Marsh, but that's a definite talking piece to have Brandon Marsh or, hell, even Joe Adele in that in one of those trades. So, you know, I would say, and I've said it before, if you're going to get a pitcher, go get a good one, and the, that's the only time that you're giving up Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele is if you're getting a really, really good pitcher. And, again, Musgrove isn't that guy. Tyon obviously isn't that guy coming off Tommy John and all of that stuff going on. But, again, like, you look at the Musgrove trade and you look at the – tie-on trade, and they are very, very similar trades. In fact, I think they got more for tie-on than they did for Musgrove, and Musgrove, I believe, is a much more hot commodity and a better pitcher and a less risky pitcher as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I think this kind of brings it full circle is, you know, it'll be interesting, and we may never find out. We probably will never find out what the Pirates asked. You know, I would assume the Angels were in on it for Musgrove or tie-on, you know, but... Again, I, I just I just don't know. I, I do feel like teams will come to the Angels and just 
kind of ask an absurd amount just because of the fact that, hey, you have Mike Trout, hey, you have Shohei Otani, hey, you have Anthony Rendon, you have all these guys, and you're not making it to the playoffs, you know, you need a pitcher, let's try to screw you over. And I hope that's not the case, and I hope that Angels in general are smart enough, and I think they are smart enough, to just turn it around and say, hell no, absolutely not, you know, we're not going to do that, the Corey Kluber type of trade. So it's, it's, it is very tough for me to make a trade for any of these guys. And, again, I, I just wanted to get your two cents on everything and see if that is something we think possibly could be happening, is the Angels are trying – teams are trying to jip the Angels, in a sense, with starting pitching. Yeah, I definitely think that that's a, a big, big cause for concern. But um, you're not really hearing too much from Perry, like – are they are they even interested in these guys? Like, there there hasn't really been too many reports that were the Angels were in on Musgrove. You hear a lot of Angels are in on Bauer. You hear a lot of Angels are in on a lot of these free agents, but you're not hearing too much of like, hey, they really really were checking in on Snell or hey, they were really checking in on Darvish or whoever it is. So I don't know if the trade route has been something that he's really been in. I'm sure he's checked, but I don't know if he's really like tried to get any of these guys really really hard. Yeah, and I think, I guess this is kind of a decently good time to segment ourselves into some Bauer talk, because why not? It's not a it's not a podcast, and not, it's not an Angels podcast if we don't talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer and that market, and I guess I'll push it back a little bit and say, with Billy Epler, it was a things need to be quiet type of thing, and I think it's still that way to an extent with Manassian and his guys, but... You know, at the same time, it just continues to feel like Artie has, you know, control of this team. Because if the Angels really wanted to, they could have gone out and got Joe Musgroves or Jameson Tyon. You know, I really do think they could have. And I think the huge main thing here now is go get Trevor Bauer. You know, and I, I, I hope it's not the case that Artie's kind of behind this whole thing and it's go get Bauer at all costs. But it does kind of start feeling like that a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure Trevor Bauer is licking his chops, hoping that uh, Artie Moreno is running this thing because he knows he can run this thing up to 30 mil, at least. Yeah. Just and with I, the Angels, and that's not even including, you know, if the Dodgers want to get in on this, the Mets obviously want to get in on this. this Trevor Bauer could be in a really, really good position right now. Yeah, you know, and, of course, speaking of all that, there were some reports that came out over the re- weekend from John Heyman saying that the Mets – are looking at Bauer for fewer than four years, and the Dodgers could be in on him on some type of deal like that as well. But, of course, to his agent, uh, Rachel Luba, he would prefer a longer deal, which almost seems to line up perfectly with the Angels. And, of course, a lot of this stuff that goes on behind closed, or actually in front of the public, is more of a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a smokescreen, but there are some things that get told that aren't necessarily true to see if teams will bid up a little bit more. And that just kind of seems like something that would happen with the Angels and something that seems like it's going on here with this. It's like, yeah, you know, the Mets are interested, but it's shorter term. Ah, the Dodgers are interested, it's shorter. But, you know, the Angels might be able to give them five, six, seven years. What do we think about that? I know, now, before we get going, you know, I know that you don't want Bauer, but at the right cost, you have to, like, you have to want to get Bauer, right? It's not that I don't want Bauer. It's the knowing that he's going to get 25, 30 mil, the, 
the thing that he wants to be Garrett Cole's contract, that that puts me in a big, I don't want this guy. Because he's not better than Garrett Cole, let's be honest. Like, he's had two really good years in his career, two years under four ERA, um, and one of them was, you know, in about 12 starts. So it's hard for me to say he's the best pitcher in baseball and that's how he wants to be paid. So that's where I'm at, where I would, you know, if he's 20 mil, like you get him five years, 20 mil a year, like I, I can work with that. Maybe even six years, 20 mil, but you're, you're looking at a 37-year-old Trevor Bauer at that point. But but still, I'd be willing to give him at the right cost, but not at the 25, 30 mil that he's really, really seeking. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that as well. And as much as we both preach, please don't get Bauer, at the right cost, you have to try to get him. And I think that's the point where we're at with all of this is what he's not going to get $30 million. There's no way, unless it's to the Dodgers for two or two years or something like that, or unless it's you know on a two-year deal. He's not going to get more than $30 million. But I do, I'll say this, I do feel comfortable at that five years for $125 million range, and I know the Angels haven't been all that successful with that type of contract, hint, hint, the same contract as Josh Hamilton, but I do feel comfortable at that because you are getting a front-end starter, not saying he's an ace by any means, but he is a front-end starter, and, you know, I just, I feel comfortable at that. I feel comfortable at $25 million a year for Trevor Bauer, knowing that he's going to consistently put in the work he's not gonna I don't think he's gonna try to get worse now that he's getting money you know like we think some players might I think all players continue to try to get better but I do believe that I don't know I I would say it's difficult not to go out and get him at the right price I'm not spending any more than 25 million though if you ask me for 26 million dollars I'm saying absolutely not you know and if it's a negative thing to to argue about 1 million dollars it is what it is but at the end of the day, it's Trevor Bauer. So it's tough for me. It's tough to... Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like, the $26 million, like, sorry, 25 is our max. Yeah. And if you don't want that, then uh, then we'll we'll find someone else who, who can pitch for us. But, yeah, the $25 million I, I would do, and I know you said they haven't had a lot of success with $25 million, the 5 for 125, but... The last big name starting pitcher the Angels signed for multiple years, I think, is C.J. Wilson, and that turned out pretty good for them. He actually pitched pretty good for them for the contract he signed. So um, I I wouldn't be opposed to go get a starting pitcher. They haven't really gone and got a starting pitcher for multiple years in a while. Who it has to be C.J. Wilson, who the last guy was they signed on a multi-year deal, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think that was the last like, like starting pitcher wise. Yeah, Tommy Hansen wasn't was a one-year deal. I'm trying to think. It wasn't two years, something like that. No, Harvey, Tehran, uh, yeah. uh, Cahill, all those guys are one-year deal. I, I think C.J. Wilson was the last one, which is surprising because that's a long time ago, it feels like. Yeah, and I guess, you know, it really does point to pitchers don't put butts in seats. It, you know, hitters do, so go sign hitters. And, you know, it is, of course, a business, and we cannot – I can't stress that enough that baseball is still a business. You still have to make money and all that, but – at the same time, I would like to see the Angels win. I think we all would like to see the Angels win. And with that, finally, you know, last topic of the day. I brought this up, of course, on Twitter as well. I want you to finish the Angels roster. I personally believe they are a right fielder, a starting pitcher, and a relief pitcher away. Can you fill these holes with what the Angels have left? 
we saying they got about 25 million? Yeah, let's say that, because I think, I mean, I, this is a topic that I think will be discussed in a future podcast. I think the next move is try to get rid of that Justin Upton contract. I think that's kind of what we're all waiting on at the moment, and it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened as long as he accepts the trade, because he does have those no-trade clause. But for now, let's say the Angels have $25 million to spend. How are we... How are we going to fill those holes, Nate? Well, since there are multiple holes, I would rather go this route. I know people are still going to say, just give Trevor Bauer the $25 million. Um, I, I think you go out and get two really good relievers, like Brad Hand and maybe a Trevor Rosenthal or an Alex Colomay, and you just build the uh, Kansas City bullpen from uh, back in the day when they made it to the World Series uh, two years in a row. I, I think that's kind of the route you're going to go with if you're going to run um, a bunch of three and four starters out there. I, I think it actually fits the Angels a little bit better to do that because Quintana, he's a he's a five inning guy, maybe six if you're if you're lucky, but he's not really going to go deep deep into games a lot. Heaney, we've seen he's a five inning guy. Um, Canning, we've seen he can go deep into games, but it seems like he's about a five inning guy. Bundy's about the only guy who you're really going to go deep into the games with. Um, and obviously it depends on what Otani we get. If we get the really good one, he has the he has the uh, stuff to go deep into the game. So I, I think you go get Brad Hand and uh, Trevor Rosenthal or Alex Colomay. I think you get, get Hand for about 10 mil, and uh, Rosenthal would be about 10 mil as well. But Colomay you probably could get for about 8. I like it. I, I do, yeah. No, I, I think that. Do the Angels really need to go out and get a right fielder? For a one-year deal, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but you can go get a left platooning Brian Goodwin for inexpensive and Taylor Ward out in right field. Are you upset about that heading into the off season or heading into the season? You can work with this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's Joe Madden's boy Albert Armour Jr. is out there as well, and he mm-hmm. can play all three offfield positions. He plays very good defense. Um, still hasn't really tapped into that offensive potential, but who knows? Maybe. He uh, gets a little less pressure on him because he's got Trout and Rendon in the lineup, and he's not really forced to lead off and be the dude. Um, maybe he comes out and you sign him for a million or, or even a minor league deal at this point. Uh, might even get him done. and That that would be a pretty quality pickup. can play all three outfield spots and uh, plays very good defense. And, again, you can platoon him if you want to. Like, Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think they're going to go the platoon route. I really do in right field. I think they're going to end up – Picking somebody up in the maybe Kurt Suzuki price range or a minor league deal, I, I don't know. But I think the focus is going to continue to be on go out and get pitching. <laughs> I really do. So if I could leave the right field spot empty, I probably would. Or sign, I mean, some type of minor league lefty, no I think. No more than one bill. Yeah, no more than that, for sure. Because you're going to have to spend it on pitching. I mean, all signs lead to Trevor Bauer. It really does. And it's tough for me not to say Trevor Bauer at this moment, you know, until proven otherwise. Because all signs are just really leading towards a Bauer signing. And it's it's not scaring me necessarily, but it it's one of those things where it probably should scare me, knowing the Angels and spending a lot of money, you know. But I just think that they're going to go get Bauer. I really do. I'm at the, I'm at that point where... I would be shocked if they didn't go get Trevor Bauer. Actually, I would be, I would be very shocked if they 
he signed with the Blue Jays or somebody along the line, or with the Blue Jays, with the Dodgers. I was thinking of a different blue team. <laughs> with the Dodgers. They're still in on him, by the way, so don't, don't count out the Blue Jays. Oh, of, of course. Yeah, no, I would, it wouldn't they, surprise me. They could me. easily still come in and win, and, and win the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. So that, that wasn't wrong. It's just probably not the team we were thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if he went somewhere else, but I would actually, I would really actually be shocked if the Angels didn't sign him at the moment. I mean, I could wake up tomorrow morning and feel completely different about this if new news came out, or you know, if different teams signed, or if the Angels went out and signed Odorizzi, I'd feel completely different. Or they went and traded. I guess maybe not if they traded for a pitcher. I'd still feel like they could go get Trevor Bauer. But if they went and signed another pitcher, I would be shocked then at the moment if they went and got Bauer. But for me right now, I would be shocked if they didn't get Bauer. So I'd say they're going to sign someone really cheap in right field to platoon with Taylor Ward or, hell, David Fletcher might get some time out there, or even Joe Adele if he impresses. You could I could totally see Adele finding his way up, or, heck, even Marsh. But I, I, I would just think that the emphasis right now is on going and getting Trevor Bauer, and all signs are leading to Trevor Bauer, in my opinion. And reliever-wise, they're just going to go probably sign some more minor league deals, and of course anything could change by the time this podcast comes out tomorrow morning, but I don't know. I'm just thinking that it just, at the moment, it makes too much sense that the Angels are going to get Bauer in a five to six year deal for 120 to 160 million-ish would be my guess, if I really had to pinpoint it, and that scares me a little bit, it does. (laughs) Yeah, let me throw another name out there that I feel like hasn't really been talked about at all this offseason. Probably got talked about a little bit right when uh, free agency started. But Taiwan Walker, 28 years old, former top prospect of the Mariners, showed really good um, stuff with, with uh, the Blue Jays last year in the second half of that trade. Um, again, another five, six-inning guy. But if you go out and you get Brad Hand and Colomay or Rosenthal, would you be upset if Taiwan Walker's the guy? Odorizzi's the guy? Both those guys seem very similar. I think Walker's probably a little cheaper. And he's also 28 years old. Absolutely not, and I would say that Walker makes a whole heck of a lot of sense if Billy Epler was still in charge, and this kind of brings us back, I think me and you talked about this, with the signing Quintana and signing the guys that are, you know, hoping, taking risks on guys, you know, is Taiwan Walker one of those guys that, is it an Epler-like, like did, did Epler like to go get Guys like that were former top prospects, that were former top prospects, because we did see the Angels go out and sign a lot of former top prospects in the minor league systems and like AAA deals to see if they would produce or something at all. You know, so I feel like Taiwan Walker is more of a Billy Epler guy, but then that brings us to, you know, the Angels did sign a pitcher for $8 million on a one year deal. Is there somebody still in the baseball operation department that, you know, has the notes on going and getting top former top prospects? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, right when free agency hit, you heard the Blue Jays were like, yeah, we'd love to bring him back. And now all of a sudden here we are in January. And I have not heard one word about Taiwan Walker and who's interested. I think I read one thing the other day that said the Mariners haven't offered him a contract yet. But that's it. Like, you're not really hearing – oh, the Yankees are in a walker, or, or some of these pitching-needy teams, it's like they're really waiting for this Trevor Bauer domino to fall. And If you go get Brad Hand and a really good 
other guy like Rosenthal or Columbia, like maybe you go steal Taiwan Walker at three years, fifteen million, and that's five million for a guy who's twenty eight years old and has had really good seasons as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, no, and I, I I agree. I think that once the Bauer domino drops, wherever Bauer doesn't go, we see these guys start landing like. Odorizzi to the Angels, per se, or Walker back to the Blue Jays, or the Mets going out and getting an Odorizzi type of guy, or James Paxton, or somebody along the lines of that. I could I could totally see it. Or, I mean, Paxton going to Toronto. He is a, you know, I, I believe he's from Toronto or Ontario or some, somewhere along the lines of that. So, I mean, that's another fit that would make a lot of sense. So, I believe that it is the, you know, the Trevor Bauer domino that needs to fall to see all these pieces really start working into play. So, yeah, you know, I think that is kind of where we stand on this whole thing. Any final thoughts to, I guess, anything we talked about or any, you know, baseball in particular? Uh, no, I think you hit it right on the head with Paxson going to Toronto. I think that would be a good uh, low-risk, high-reward type of, type of deal for them, especially if he gets his velo back. Um, but I think uh, for the Taiwan Walker factor, if I were the Angels, I would try and get him before Trevor Bauer because – if you let Trevor Bauer set that market, Taiwan Walker's market could go from five million to ten million a year, and I don't know if I really want to give Taiwan Walker ten million. Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point. These guys are in a weird situation where right now some of these players that we're talking about, whether it's Odorizzi, Paxton, Walker, or any guy Tanaka even, are Porcello. Yeah, those type of guys could be signing for relatively inexpensive. Because there isn't necessarily a market out there for them because of Bauer. But at the same time, if we see Bauer sign, they could, you know, really skyrocket up because teams are going to really need them. Supply and demand, supply and demand. Again, it's a business. (laughs) As bad as that sounds. Absolutely. As bad as that sounds. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Talking Halos. I, of course, appreciate it. You can find myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims. Nate, where can we find you? Uh, Nate. Nate Green 34, I believe. Nate Green 34. I know you're not on Twitter very much, but I always have to plug you so that people can go bother you when you somehow make a mistake, especially if I'm going to continue to bring you on a podcast, which I will because I enjoy talking with you. So, guys, thank you so very much again for listening. Follow us on all social media accounts. If you're not following us, actually, on Instagram, we are doing so much on there right now. Having Brock and myself are having a heck of a lot of fun, and, again, appreciate all the support you guys are giving us on there. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.